0: This podcast is brought to you by All Things Film. <coughs> no, it, it really is. All Things Film, the web's premier collection of independent movie and TV related podcasts. For more, check out www.allthingsfilm.co.uk or search All Things Film on iTunes, Stitcher or TuneIn Radio. And now, on with the show.
1: 아니 오오 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 슬슬이랑 Welcome to What's Korean Cinema 17 on Soppy So the intro goes as follows. Screaming and singing her heart out. Set to a rhythm, a drum and there's a family drama underneath. This is, among other things, what is depicted in Sopionje by legendary director Im Kwon-Tech. This is his 1993 award-winning drama that is the subject of this episode of What's Korean Cinema. I ask myself that question, and I forget to answer each time, because I'm that dumb. But uh, no, it's uh, it's my silly little joke from many years ago that turned into a show about Korean cinema, old and slightly newish, and uh, my name is Kenobi, and with me, probably still chewing his uh, Korean food and dreaming of several of his movie wives, and that is none other than Hangul Celluloid's Paul Quinn.
0: Yeah, it's it's as if you're actually here, I'm just picking bits of Korean food out of my teeth as we speak, so... Rather than picking a Korean wife out of a teeth, because that would just be a bit dodgy.
1: We don't know when these episodes exactly come out, but uh, you, you're still going to get us um, a bit of a spring breakdown of what's been going on at Hangul Celluloid in a tiny, tiny bit. So let's uh, run through the uh, basic contact information before and this is what's korean cinema on the podcast on fire network you can find us and all our other shows on podcast on fire.com and bonus episodes every now and again paul and i have done a few in the past email us if you have any uh, feedback or questions or comments podcast on fire at google mail.com you can join us over on facebook yeah leave a like on our page facebook.com forward slash pof network but to join the main discussion and updates and the in-progress reports on the various shows over in our discussion group that we simply call Podcast on Fire Network, and that's how you'll find us if you type us in, in the Facebook search function. Over on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at Podcast on Fire. And when I'm not doing this, I write about uh, Hong Kong cinema and Taiwanese cinema, various genres to be fair, but those are the main Ones that I focus on as well as more adult oriented Hong Kong cinema and these wacky ninja movies by Godfrey Ho and the likes and some not by Godfrey Ho. So uh, there you are. And I say that because a lot of people think Godfrey Ho did more than he actually did in reality. So my my, my minute work is about uh, correcting some misinfo that uh, other writers started before me. I'm just forwarding. good word. But uh, that's uh, what I like to do. I also do tiny video reviews over at sleazykvideo.com small spoken audio reviews set to movie clips from my main reviews. My Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews you can follow me over there. What's Korean Cinema is available on iTunes. If you like subscribing to your podcasts that way then please subscribe to ours. Leave a star rating what you thought of it and even if you have the, the time and access to a keyboard or one of these uh, famed keyboards or uh, you can write something on your phone then please do leave uh, like one sentence or two about the show what you thought we would love to see some reviews from you and you can also stream us on Stitcher Radio, either via their website or the application that is available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. But over to you, Hangul Celluloid. Where is the, what is Hangul Celluloid? Where is the URL? And what's in general, like in broad strokes, been going on this spring, Paul? So the floor is yours.
0: Okay, um, I'm Paul. Hello. I run Hangul Celluloid, which is a Korean film and interview website. You can find it at www.hangulcelluloid.com. Um, I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hangel Celluloid and on Twitter at at Hangle Celluloid. You remember Hangel Celluloid, you can't really fail to find me. What's been going on recently, it's all been going a bit mad, really. We spoke recently on our la- the last podcast of What's Korean Cinema about the fact that I was having such a hard time getting the year started, really, and it's, it's all gone through the roof. I'm now <laughs> writing for the Korean Cultural Centre, I write for Neo Magazine, which some of you may have heard of. It's sort of Asian film, manga.
1: It's a Matrix fan magazine.
0: (laughs) It really, it it almost is, you know. So I'm doing, I'm actually doing non-Korean stuff for them, which is just, it pains me. You know, it's just, I've been writing about Korean cinema for so long, You know, when you write about something you're obsessed with, you just link to stuff left, right, and center. You just automatically know what you're going to say. Doing non-Korean stuff is almost me getting back to learning how to write reviews. It's really weird. But that's all good. And I guess the whole reason I started doing the KCC stuff was to, between you, me, and everybody that's listening, get my feet under the door and try and get towards doing some screenings, which is hopefully coming quite soon. Um, I'm getting obsessed with a lot of... Korean films that just no one can get to see, no one's seen. You know, you got 20 people in the world that have seen them and they're phenomenal. And I want people to be able to access them. So we've got proposals and stuff in on a few screenings that I'd like to do in London and we'll see how that goes. And as far as the site goes, usual, usual review, 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 and hopefully a few interviews coming as well.
1: It's good that, um, Korean, uh, was it Korean? Council, film council, pardon me.
0: Cultural center.
1: Cultural center, pardon me. So uh, it's good that they at least allow the uh, the concept and the thought that those types of screenings is something that you can s- sort of preliminary plan and even in some other areas of another cultural center elsewhere focusing on maybe not Korean cinema. That idea may be so far fetched that it's not even worth mentioning. But good yeah, on yeah, them yeah, yeah. for contemplating it and listening to your suggestions because you're suggesting on the fringe stuff, right? Which means not a big audience for like it's not like the old boy audience is gonna come flooding to these potential screenings. Um so good on him for listening to to a suggestion like that. It's really good. Exactly.
0: I just think there are some things that that need to be pushed because no one's talking about them apart from me they deserve it so you know and I'm all about the films so let's be honest about it
1: exactly i hope it goes well and keep us all posted and uh, don't don't be afraid to spam the podcast on fire facebook group if you want to tell us about any events that uh, actually come to fruition
0: Well, thank you very
1: much. Let's uh, rock and roll. Let's do a rundown first of what's to come in this episode that focuses on -on Sopionje. And despite only having two distinct sections, we are going to put the running times in the show post nonetheless, uh, so you can fast forward to the review if you want to, for instance. And these running times are also viewable in the iPhone podcast application by clicking the show art, but only when you download the episode, not if you stream the episode. But I don't know how this all works in other phones' podcast applications, but uh, just to give you an example of where it shows up uh, on your phone. It's only Sopionti, obviously, for this uh, episode. We are going to go over a slight production background, but uh, after that, quickly and mainly talk about Biography of director im Quantec that we have done before it's worth bringing up again because this is a legendary director and there's also some additional info at the end that brings up brings us up to current times which uh, is what paul is here to uh, to help us out with and uh, for instance he's gonna offer up a little brief quick take on im Quantec's latest film and, and i'm gonna put you on the spot here is it his one hundred and third or fourth complete film there you go people a director that's still with us has made over 100 films as director, so there you are. But after this uh, bio, we are done done, uh, and are uh, going to sit down uh, calmly and constructively to review the main film for discussion, So G. So let's get into it. And uh, this movie is from 1993 and uh, they have a plot from... Paul's review of the film for some reason I looked like elsewhere on the internet for these kind of things where can I find a plot for these Korean films because I haven't used your plots on these shows I just thought like hey I'm pretty stupid there's a website where I can probably find a nice not 10 paragraph plot like in other reviews I'm not naming names but I like uh, but I found found your review and you got a good summary in one paragraph of soppy RMJ without going overboard. So this this is from Paul's review of the film. You'll find the link to it in the show post as well. So that makes up for the fact that I haven't used your plot summaries before. I'm going to link to it as well. That's
0: great. You're forgiven.
1: What's going on, cinema? Can't be all immature again. Anyway, following the death of his father, the character of Yoo Bong, played by actor Kim Myung-gon, his uh, son, I believe, or Dong-ho, the character of Dong-ho, played by Kim... Kyo Chul goes in search of his sister Song Hua, played by Oh Jung Hei, from whom he has been estranged for many years. The character of Yu Bong, that is. Through flashback, we are told the story of the Dong Ho and Song Hua upbringing, as Yu Bong takes them from town to town, earning what little he can from pansori performances. Uh, and these are The ancient songs they involve, ancient songs of unrequited love, loss and regret, sung with accompaniment from a single drum. He's doing that while teaching them the art behind successful pansori singing. When the son, the the male, Dong-Ho, can't take no more of his father's imposed sacrifices in the name of art, he runs away from home, leaving his sister alone in the hands of their father, Not fully aware of the extremes to which Yu Bong is prepared to go and the suffering that he is prepared to inflict in order to make Songhua the greatest ever Pansori singer. That is well done, Paul. When I encounter reviews that are long and you realize that, oh my god, are they still talking about the plot? I just need a summary to get me into the movie. I don't need a fucking movie explained to me again. Through, like, and then this happens, and in the fourth. And in the fourth reel, then shit really goes down. Like, you know what, Paul, that is most reviewers don't notice when to stop. So good on you, man.
0: Over the years, that exact thing has driven me nuts. And to this day, I don't know what it's like for you when you're doing video reviews and and what have you. But for me, the synopsis is the hardest part because, you know, my reviews are incredibly long. Some would say they're essays rather than reviews. Mm -hmm. I'll never stop talking until my fingers fall off that's when I finish a review but it's got to not be about the synopsis the synopsis is for people to really just get them into the film and go and watch it why I'm not going to tell you what happens in the fourth reel because it's going to spoil what happens in the fourth reel when you watch it and this happens and this happens and then this happens and then this happens drive me insane certain people of that type should not be writing about film
1: it, it sounds like logical thinking but I see it too much where I realized that some are on that side of... The, it may, it's up to everyone everyone, how to be creative, but I don't personally like it. And I, I, I turn away from a review when I realize that it's a plot breakdown rather than a uh, breakdown of the movie. Uh, but uh, enough of what other people do. Let's try and uh, do it as best we can. And uh, let's go into some slight production background on the Soppiongé. And despite being, a, well, seeming anyway, like a small movie with limited audience interest... Something wonderful happened to Sopion J upon release in 1993. Opening on only one screen in Seoul initially, and shown at most on three screens initially too, the interest grew and was there continually and it actually broke box office records for attendance in Seoul. It ended up being the first Korean film to draw over a million viewers in Seoul alone, and ImQuantek's in film increased interest and popularity in the art of pansori, which we'll explain a little bit more in detail what it is. And it further led to a Grand Bell Award, which is Korea's Oscar for Best Film. And in contact even revisited the pansori content in latter films such as Chun Yang from 2000 and Beyond the Years from 2007 that is uh, quoted as an informal sequ- <coughs> sequel to Pansori. And, and I guess my first question here, out of many, in your estimation, Paul, even if it's just a theory of yours, uh, even if it's not, maybe it's not very documented, but why did it blow up like it did this movie? was. Do you think director Im Kwan veteran director, fairly elder director at that point, was he the draw or was so Beyond just one of those things that happened?
0: I would love to be able to say that I think it was in contact, but I don't. Phenomenal director, lauded left, right and centre, but I don't think he was the draw. There was a huge controversy when Sopion J started the rounds. You know, it's it when it was first shown on that one screen, it wasn't doing that well. And suddenly politicians named bureaucrats were seen queuing up to see it word spread it went to three screens and the government was actually going behind it and saying wow this is this is korea this is korea this is korea and at the time as many people as said seopjeonje was the film for traditional korea for talking about pansori there were an equal number that were saying that the government were specifically using it as a nationalist globalization sort of thing at the time, Kim Jong-san, who was president up until just before just before 2000, I think 1998, he had this whole thing of commercialism, globalization, nationalization. So Pyeongjai hit the screens just when his whole tagline was coming into being. So it got to the point whenever politics was mentioned, so Pyon Jae was brought up. Whenever so Pyon was brought up, politics was mentioned. The film eventually went on to Cannes and everywhere else internationally, and it sort of fulfilled what everyone thought the politicians wanted anyway. So it was hugely controversial as to whether it was pushed to be as popular as it was or if it was naturally as popular as it was. I'd like to think the former, but 50-50, really. You know,
1: anything can be made into politics uh, if there's puppeteers there, too. Shape it like that, even though it's the way it was made was never meant to approach like being this uh, thing that that in contact wanted to present to the government. look at what I made and what you can use It's one of those things that either irrationally or rationally someone picked up on and saw an opportunity there but uh, I, I don't think there's any shame in uh, what happened subsequently with uh, the box office and certainly. The best film award, I think. I mean, without spoiling my my opinion of the film, it's not undeserved. Even though I don't know anything of the 1993 output, but looking at the quality, it's not undeserved that this was a best film winner. It
0: just it blows everything else out of the water. Considering, it's, as we'll say, it's such a simple film, but it just does what it does perfectly, masterfully.
1: And so let's. Go into talking about Quantek again. We have done so a couple of episodes back when me and Paul talked his movie that I think he made just prior to this. Uh, either one or two movies prior to this. The General Sun. Well, he made three of them. And I think uh, those three came just before Sokyan-jie. So he, yeah. he was in a Kim Dohan mode and then he switched to Pansori mode. But uh, as we said before, uh, this is a little bit of a repeat, as I said, but it's one of the big guns out of Korea's film industry. Uh, Im Kwan that is, a legend with a directorial count of in terms of how many movies he directed. That is now 102 as of uh, 2015. And hopefully we'll see a few more before his career comes to an end. Uh, I'm not saying he's poorly, but maybe he decides to... Stop making movies for whatever reason and uh, retire in, uh, in, in silence and in solitude, who knows. Uh, but but he's still with us, obviously, and Inquantec has enjoyed awards, praise, and box office success in his native Korea. And is said to be a key figure in the shaping of Korea's cinematic image internationally as well. Not just uh, on the local arena, but internationally. And his first step into the entertainment industry came through a move to Seoul in 1956 where director Jong chang gave him room and board and got him a job as a production assistant. And as I said when we first did this bio, uh, Jong is a familiar name to Hong Kong cinema fans as he enjoyed a stint at Hong Kong's Shaw Brothers directing classics such as King Boxer, aka Five Fingers of Death, in 1971. Spontaneous question, because he's Korean, did you like venture over to the Kung Fu site just to watch what a Korean director did when making a Hong Kong movie? So so have you seen King Boxer in this case?
0: Yes, I've seen a lot of Kung Fu Korean films. I'm sure I've mentioned this before. There used to be a DVD store in Camden. I used to go down it every week and he'd just get stuff in and I'd just buy it because it was korean and it saved me going online i'm just incredibly lazy and i bought an insane amount you know kickboxer you know taekwondo blah 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 all the kicky fighty things you can find and i'm not a kung fu or a taekwondo or a kick kick punch punch fan at all but i bought them all i watched them all and more often than not they don't do it as well i have to say and i might later on ask you to take that bit out of this but. Because I don't want Korean film fans knowing that I slagged off Korean film. But yes, I've I've seen as much of them as I can as I can tear.
1: Even Chinsang Ok did at least one movie at Shaw Brothers. And, and, and Shaw Brothers were imported you know, Japanese talent and various talents so they weren't all like we're only employing Hong Kong people, not at all. King Boxer is uh, rightly hailed as a classic. Very, very entertaining and uh, to a point and uh, yeah, iconic martial arts movie. So um, there you are. But through his recommendation, Im Quantec graduated to director and debuted uh, in 1962 with Farewell to the Duman River. And uh, as all know and many people know he was an efficient is an efficient and commercial filmmaker he was able to make as many as eight movies a year at one point and this helped also at one point to add to the quota for domestic pictures set by the government so he was a good help in that regard and a friend to the government uh, essentially and as he enjoyed the end of his second decade as director a more artistically aware creator began rearing its head uh, with a key kinda of point being the nineteen seventy-eight movie Genealogy that's also known as the Family Tree. But a distinct turning point came in nineteen eighty one with the movie Mandala, when critics became aware and became they began regarding the once commercial director as more of an art house director. And it increased his exposure internationally at this point at various film festivals, etc. And thematically, content in his films have included historical look-backs in Korean history. I certainly know that over the course of four movies that I've seen from him. Korea's cultural identity in current times have been on display thematically. And movies on that includes our movie of uh, tonight, 1993 Sopionje, as well as 2000's Chunyang, uh, both of which concentrate on the traditional Korean musical art of Pansori. And despite the more dramatic, seemingly more specialized subject matter, as we said. It was a commercial success and became the first domestic film to draw over one million viewers in Seoul alone. And furthermore, his career even intersects with uh, a director we've talked about on this show before, Park Kwan-soo, who directed chil and Mansu in the late 80s, and they intersected. And uh, as much as Park Kwan-soo was a leading force for a Korean new wave certainly in Quantech, is also recognized as one of the founding figures of that Korean new wave movement of the late 80s. And uh, it earned Korean cinema elevated and acclaimed status at that point. And as late of, as 2015, jumping ahead to current times, the man is still working, and his legendary status have even been recognized in the form of a museum dedicated to his work that uh, hopefully it, it can still be found, uh, this museum or exhibition, in the Busan on the Dongseo University Centrum City Campus. So I hope it's still there.
0: Still there. Still there.
1: Is it an exhibition or a big like museum for him quantic?
0: It's essentially it's a museum that you know, if he had if he had passed away it would be a memorial museum. It's just that he's still here. Um it's there, it's staying. And from what I, I haven't seen it obviously, but um from what I can gather it's well worth a look. So, you know, it's not going anywhere.
1: Uh, bring us up to speed. What was Inquantec's latest movie, or what was it like, and is there anything new coming from quantek And uh, also work into the question, in your opinion, what is your favourite filmmaking period of his uh, versus his most important? So if you, ta- if you tackle those two questions, then I can listen in and be fascinated.
0: Okay, we'll start with the latest, the 102nd film called Revivra. Which was the the English title, I guess, the French title, um, "Live Again." It was actually originally called "Wajang," which essentially means the same thing, near enough. But I think they should have kept it as the Korean title. Story about a middle aged man whose wife is dying of cancer, very Korean, who is trying to hold his life together while he looks after his dying wife and a young woman, Kim Guri, who, if you've, any of you've seen "Portrait of a Beauty," that's her film lovely, gorgeous, young, feisty lady starts working at his office and being so down on his luck, having losing everything in his life As in, in front of him, he starts to fantasize about a relationship with her. And as the narration goes on, as the film progresses, it turns out that he might, just might have a chance of turning his fantasies into reality. That's essentially Rewebera. The amount it speaks of contact, and the amount it relates to So Pyeongjai, believe it or not, um, is, is quite frightening. You've got an old guy who is essentially a metaphor for traditional Korea, whose wife, who's also traditional Korea, is dying with modern Korea, the young girl put in front of him. And he doesn't fit in either world. He's just, he's stuck in the middle. He can't have the traditional Korea he loves. And he doesn't fit in the modern day Korea. And it's essentially about how modernism has has torn Korea apart and is tearing him apart. Um, Phenomenal film. The performances are incredible. Uh, Especially Aung San Ki, um, one of the biggest names over the years in Korean cinema. Who we will mention later on in tonight's podcast recordings, but I'm saying no more about it till then. Um, And as I say, Kim Guri, who just is, you look at her and you just think, wow, portrait of a beauty. Um, She plays a phenomenally sexually understated role. Um, It's a wonderful film. It's one of my favourite of M. Tech for a number of years. And speaking of what hits me most about his stuff, from around 1990 to Early two thousands. That's the period for me. From General Sun through Sopeon through Chungyang Yang, and even to beyond the years which we'll mention a little bit later as well. Um, that was that's classic. Again, contacted me. That's that's him
1: for a particular reason. I mean, I've only noticed that he has very he has a naturalistic style to his movies, uh, like yeah, I, so I, I haven't seen the artistic style of his. So, so is that fair to say, that this period consists of that, or is it just part of, the, part of the answer?
0: It's artistic as it goes, but his films... He seems at home doing these films. He seems at home talking about traditionalism, modernism, and he constantly, from the 90s on, used female characters to portray a history of Korea. Every woman you see in his film isn't necessarily a woman, she is Korea. That's where he started doing that. That's where he was most passionate about doing it. And he seems to have, in Revebra, gone back to that. Easily my favorite. And, you know, Supyung-Jay says it all. You know, the first to break a million, it's lauded as a masterpiece everywhere because it is. It's just Imquantek, relaxed, doing what he does best.
1: But if you're being honest, like knowing the canon, even though we haven't seen all 102, I assume, uh, because uh, my God, who has, who has? Yeah, exactly. I'm sure availability is um, is uh, a pressing matter for uh, to to get them all available. But you, what would you say is his most important one? If you're being honest, like is there a turning point, or is there several turning points? So there's no easy answer in terms of what is his most important like uh, uh, section of his filmography.
0: There's no easy answer. There are highlights throughout. Recently, they found another four or five of his films that they thought had been lost. So they've got 94 of the 102 still existing. A lot of the yeah. early ones, the commercial ones, he, he actually said in an interview that he wished they hadn't found them because he's embarrassed by them. <laughs> they're, they're terrible. He doesn't ever want them to be seen again. Some of his less artful stuff I would I would tend to agree with. It's it's in contact, but it sort of does him an injustice. That period from right through the, the Korean new wave and the, the new cinema wave was really where he hit a stride and a lot of times since there have been flashes of it. But he hasn't really got it back the way he did. You know, pre previous previous to Revivra he did a film completely about the papermaking industry, the traditional paper making industry in Korea, and it's that sort of thing. They're interesting, they're in contact, but you watch them and you think, well, when's your next, you know, thing that's going to blow my mind? And it happened to be Revebra, but that's the sort of deal. Through the 90s and early 2000s, you know, I love Su as you can probably tell already. When we were talking about which film of his to do, I was really torn because I adore Chung Yang as well. They're so strong. They're so unbelievably in contact. That's his period for me. It always will be.
1: It's an easy period, I can say, four movies in. it's an easy period to recommend. It's very um, approachable, even though there are deeper themes that I definitely didn't pick up on. But that doesn't mean the movies are not approachable and... Uh, visible there in clear light in terms of the story they're telling so I haven't seen like the autistic side of him uh, and uh, not not the first one I'd personally jump on I, I have a problematic relationship with abstract art films um, but uh, of course I can watch uh, abstract films and have, have a sort of attempt at deciphering them we're having a good time i mean when i watch someone uh, like a razorhead if we talk a, a western movie david lynch razorhead i i don't kid myself try and tell myself that i know what this is about i I okay. watch it because it's a wonderfully creative exercise in abstract uh, in abstract messed up imagery so I, I watch it for that and even david lynch has said that uh, uh number one, I'm not gonna tell you what it's about, and number two, no one's even got it anyway. So yeah, yeah. so there you are. I don't know if uh In Contact really went like over the top and messed up in his artistic movies or not but um it's um it's a long career there's a pl- plenty of content i suppose and plenty of like a creator gets different impulses i'm sure through such a long career like i'm gonna try this for a few years i'm uh, gonna try this for a decade now and uh, i'm gonna try straightforward naturalistic movies uh about pansori you now like uh, he's not the same director as he was when he started uh, obviously so um
0: Certainly not, and you know, as we, as we go through this, I think Sipion Jay, and this is a personal opinion, I think it changed a lot of what he did as he went through the the period that you know is my favorite. Um, but we'll talk about that in a little bit.
1: Indeed, and uh, I wrote a little bit about uh, it's a big subject, but uh, we talked pansori, and I wanted to summarize a little bit what. What it is, and I was consciously vague about it because we're gonna explain to you what it is now. And uh, it's described as a Korean genre of musical storytelling, featuring a vocalist or a sori kun and a drummer called Gosu. And the term itself is a mixture of the two words: pan, which is transcribed or translated as a place where many people gather, and sori, meaning sound. And that's what you see in the movie: people gather and they listen to sound, essentially. Exactly right. Pansori originated in the middle of the Joseon dynasty, lasting from 1392 to 1897, and even though its more distinct evolving nature came during the 19th century, which is considered its golden age due to increased popularity and advancement in techniques. Uh, And initially during um, said century, the vocals and the melodies tended to play better to the upper class. But folk tunes were also used to broaden the audience and musical vocabulary, so it wasn't just for one like elite class, so to say. And during the 20th century, Pansori's um, popularity declined due to the presence of Japanese government and a Korea feeling the influence of westernization, so Pansori kind of drowned in those two elements in a way, but performers were present flying the flag of the art, even professional ones in the public eye, such as Chin Che Sun and Pansori dancing troops had a streak of popularity and uh, the art wasn't going to be buried officially when all was said and done, like, because in 1964 Pansori was declared a national intangible cultural property. It triggered more popularity... Um, He got more popular over the years, and awareness of its cultural value was increased, and a lot of support in the process uh, took place uh, for the art. Uh, And such official support remains today with the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organizations, organization which is UNESCO, proclaiming the pansori tradition as a masterpiece of the oral and intangible heritage of humanity and this was on november 7 2003 like it, it's been around for ages and it's uh firmly remembered by uh, officially and not just through a movie or two in the case of Im quantex so uh there you are and this is my first exposure to pansori personally and i'll have a note or two about how it affected me as a fan of music in general actually i wrote a little bit about it
0: i look forward to that actually
1: well, I, I, I'm, I'm not here to slag anything. i I've, I've, I'm actually, I, I have a particular set of uh music tastes that actually fit well with the sound of Pansori, actually. So, uh, but uh, we'll get into a re- re- review, and uh, for my brief opinion, and I know I've been a little cheeky with Paul off air in terms of like, oh, what did I think of it? Do you want to know? Because <laughs> Paul loves the movie so much, I think he'd hate it if I hated the movie.
0: You frightened me, Kenneth.
1: Um uh, you're the only person that I actually put uh, fear of God into, therefore like, the one and only in my entire life that I can even mildly freeze the blood off. But <laughs> I, I I went this like the, the, the Stuart Sutherland route of reviewing movies once upon a time on Podcast on Fire. Ah it's alright. <laughs> but, but but that's actually not my actual opinion. So here it is. A very worthwhile and complex psychological family drama that's very calm, approachable, and in the process, in contact fascinates new viewers hopefully anyway, with the introduction uh, of pansori uh, to their lives and you've talked about how it is about korea as well i don't pick up on that because i don't know a lot of that stuff but that's the point and it's approach it's a family drama that i'm seeing and that's absolutely fine that's one of the layers but you're gonna kind of educate me on what the additional layers are so um you said what you thought but like in short despite like challenge yourself in summarizing it again why why it's a favorite of yours
0: I love Sapunji for every reason you said, and I love it for every reason that I read into it. The great thing about the best m Contact films is that you can view them without any knowledge as a drama, an interesting story. You can get oceans out of any film of that type if you then want to read into it and see that he's... Constantly using women as metaphors for Korea when he's talking about traditionalism dying, modernism taking over and destroying everything. You, you can choose to look at those, or you can choose to ignore them. It doesn't detract from the film. For me, I watched rewatched Up Yeon Jae on Friday night, late on Friday night, and the amount I picked up compared to what I did when I when I first saw it years ago, when I reviewed it years ago was phenomenal but none of that matters essentially because anybody can access this film it is hugely accessible it is a heartfelt story the character of Songhua, the the young girl she broke my heart you know um full, full stop and it, it is a poignant drama um i think it's masterfully done i think his direction changed because his directorial style changed because of Song but we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go through as well.
1: For a very straightforward, plain-looking movie, it's actually a very uh, well-designed movie, and uh, we're we're immediately dropped into a timeless, rural environment as it starts in uh, modern day, before the uh, flashback. And uh, knowing General Sun, I know this... I I mean, any director can make it look like this, but it it felt uh, like a familiar territory that this is Mm. uh, something I've a feeling i picked up on even in a very different movie in the case of uh, General Sun. But he does the correct thing of, uh, you know, we're, we're probably curious about Pansori. What's Pansori? What's Pansori? And he lets the cat out of the bag very quickly because we get a uh, performance of it between two people and we don't really know that it's the, so, so to say, son of the family that's visiting this woman and uh, he knows obviously the drum, the drum technique, the drumming technique, and he's singing with this woman, and we get this very like, seems like a simplified arrangement, and very and also very organic arrangement, but through the very intense singing, and with songs that are not about rainbows and sunshine at all, like it expresses so much emotions and feelings even at an early stage like this, and. My my question is, do you, do you think or know if many of or all of the songs kind of are part of the narrative as well? Their content corresponds to the drama we experience or are going to experience?
0: Very much so. And I, I think that's what hit me the most when I rewatched it the other night. I've got a little bit obsessed with Pansuri recently. It keeps hitting me. Everywhere I go, there's Pansuri. I went to an event last week, which was a, a Pansori theatre performance, which was a thing called Simchunga, which is one of the songs that's sung partly in sopyonje I recently reviewed a film called Scarlet Innocence, I know you know about, that was by the Hansel and Gretel director, Pil Sung, and it was based on the Pansori, the same one, Simchunga. Watching Sopyonje the other night, it was like... Oh right, okay. So that, that it's the same, and I and explained a lot of pansori's are really difficult to find in English, and my Korean isn't really what it should be. So getting little snippets from Sopyonje about the actual story was one huge thing. I started making notes. I've got pages of this stuff. I'm looking through it now. Just page upon page written at three o'clock in the morning.
1: But because they are uh, translated into English. Each and every song in the movie that's sung is translated into English as well. So we get that there's something here that seems to co- maybe, and as the movie goes on, seems to connect very firmly to the evolving story that's going on as well.
0: Imquantek specifically chose particular pansuris to underline what the characters are dealing with. The first time I watched the film, that passed me by. For me, it was just pansuri and the characters. And I got as much out of it then as I did the other night when I was watching it thinking... They're actually singing about themselves. They're 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 singing the story. The pansori story is almost an inversion of the story I'm watching. Mm. So whether you whether you take it for one or the other doesn't matter. But they were specifically chosen.
1: And, and the the different styles are here as well in terms of how you perform it. Some are even almost spoken word. It seems like in some are even fueled by audience participation. You hear people going yeah yes and keep clapping. And some are very intimate as portrayed. And these start and stop rhythms that the songs have, they are not, you know, the drummer isn't always constantly banging on his drum or anything. As someone who is, personally, who is very interested in a variety of expressions within electronic music, whether old or new, you know, whether it's, you know, noise core, whether it's very calming ambient or whether it's very... uh, organic music that the, the so-called um the, there's a french expression and i'm probably butchering it now but there's something called a uh, uh, music concrete like concrete Ooh. music uh, yeah. rhythms taken from your everyday life like the rhythm of a train or something like and that rhythm i'm very uh, keen on and therefore pansori was something i could approach very much that uh, it's something that Soothes me. There's on and off rhythm that isn't a traditional song structure as such. So, I mean that's a, a, like a great big plus for me as a music fan, listening to um, this, these rhythms and how organic it all it all is. is. And uh, and there's a happiness performing it as well. Like it's uh, some of the performers in the movie are very like. I think the second performance, that this uh, public performance, they it's very much like a joyous thing. Like yeah, we're singing Pansori now. Yeah. And so it's it it has um, very much new, uh nuances are very much present, which uh, is wise that In unleashes quite early that this is what it can be about. We're not gonna like drop it every now and again in a movie. Like like here is a good stretch of a couple of songs for you uh, to get you into the flow. of It overall, and I think that's. Uh, Quite fair to do. It doesn't get in the way of the story. Like, uh, oh my god, musical number upon musical number. Start talking and get the story underway. No, that never happens. And uh, all captured by Inquantex, like Wonderful Eye for for naturalism. And obviously, it's um, director of director of uh, photography as well. Quick question: Do you think uh, actors and crew were, like at this time, like if there's an Quantech movie to be made, or uh, would you think it's it's easy for him to? rope-in quality and crew because of his name at this time? You know, was he a big enough name in the public eye and in the filmmaking community that it's not hard to get like quality people working for him?
0: Very much so. And in fact, the, the two main characters, Yubong, the father, and Songwa the daughter, were both trained pansori singers, trained musicians, as well as acting. So they were chosen because of their ability to do pansori. When he remade Beyond the Years a few years later, um, he got O oh Hai, which is the, the lady that plays um, Songwa. he got her to play this same part again. He chose them because of the quality of their voices. Let me ask you this, actually, Ken. When you listen to the Pansori, the you were saying, the early ones where they're in the marketplace and all the elders are there and it's very chanty and very audience participation sung by Ubong, the father. Did that hit you as much as her performance towards the end when she's on the mountainside screaming high notes and, and almost, you know, collapsing and stuff? Which style did you find easier to cope with ear-wise?
1: I, I had no problem with either one. I mean, dramatically, the latter one is just uh, heartbreaking to listen to because at that point she's she's, like, attempting to go to the levels that her father wants her to go so it's heartbreaking that someone is just screaming their heart out in the name of this and I'll I'll get to an and I'll an, like a bit of an uh, analyze about why she goes her father's way but uh, it's uh, it's not joyous at that point but it's obviously not uh, hard to listen to at all uh, obviously not uh, and I'm, 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 my ear is receptive to I say noise affectionately, but like it's not uh, hard to watch. It's not screeching to watch uh, or listen to at all. So, uh, and I'm surprised that um, I thought for sure these were actors that were trained well for the movie in the act of Pansori, but that they were fully fledged, trained professional experts at these artists. What a combo to have to have it both, like a stroke of luck, even.
0: Exactly. I mean, if you're bored after you've finished recording this podcast, and if anybody's listening and they've listened to it and want to go a little bit further, go onto YouTube and search for oh jung hai the the name of the actress who plays songhua. Just type her name into YouTube and it'll bring up a performance she did in two thousand and thirteen just in front of an audience where she just was called up and they said, go on, sing some song. Sing, sing, monkey, sing. Yeah, essentially. And she goes through modern day stuff. She puts Pansuri in and she's having a whale of a time. And her voice, she's what, you know, not elderly, but she's, she's getting on a little bit now. And her voice is as good as it ever was. She's phenomenal. It's well worth a listen.
1: In Quantech both gives as it does, it presents this movie very naturally and much is shot in uh, rural village settings and it it, go, it gives performer space to perform, but it's not this uh, director who just lets the camera run and then just cut randomly. You no, know, it's not point and shoot, it's very careful in terms of the angles and, and the editing. But it brings me to a brief question like how how receptive are you to these very like village set? plain movies, whether they're Korean or, like, the best mainland China movies that Zhang Yimou did, you know, The Road Home, Not One Less. Uh, You know, how how receptive are to these plain-looking movies and the drama that can come out of these very uh, seemingly simple uh, movies as made and and portrayed?
0: I think if those settings are used for a specific reason, a a valid reason, I think they can be both beautiful and really important. I mean, in terms of sopyeonje every time you see the family wandering around, they're in rural countryside, they're in old Korea. You never, ever see them wandering through towns. You, anytime they're in a town, they're out of place, they're unhappy. There's a, a, a song that's essentially Korea's national anthem, Ararang, that the family sing about halfway through sopyeonje and they, they're wandering around and they stop and they sing Ararang, Ararang, Ararang. And it's the only time the whole family's smiling through the whole film. And Ararang essentially says, love Korea. Korea is united. Korea is everything. Setting it in that rural setting and singing a song about the love of Korea with them all grinning, which they just never do otherwise, um, just sort of said so much to me.
1: It's one of the um, it's one of the fascinating shots of the movie that is, a point and shoot kind of thing. It's a good five minute shot, I think, where mm. they're, they're they're tiny specks on the landscape, and they're walking, 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 and the singing increases, singing increases. The closer we, uh, they get to us, you see that they are kind of riffing, almost like improvising, and having having a ball. After a couple of scenes where it's been pretty dreadful between them and the father has, uh, you know, one of his drunken rants again. So I, I love that scene. It's a kind of, a, you know, it sounds easy to do. Just roll the camera, come at us, dance and have fun. And I'll, I'll get it uh, done in post. And, uh, you know, it's it looks so damn simple, but he captures it so well. And uh, obviously the performers uh, correspond as well. So I, I, I love that scene. I love that you uh, brought it up. Uh, but the, the movie, as we said, it has darkest themes and there's fragments dropped early that people say that oh he you know the father pushed the daughter to lose her voice and come blind in the ca- in, in the name of uh, Pansori like yeah right that, that's probably an exaggerated story some characters say and after a while in the movie you realize that the movie might go those dark places not in case of like go blind and you'll be better but man this turns dark and Obsessive, obsessive over the art, and that's the as the plot synopsis hinted at. Two of them are on board with this; one is not. And uh, I'll, I'll I'll probably drop some thoughts on who, like if you can even say that the son was right to to run away or not, uh, and if these two that stay on and live a poor life and practice art of pansori, if they're actually right or wrong, I'll, I'll try. Uh, verbalize that as best as I can, but I want to single out very briefly, I have no experience with the actor, but uh, the actor who plays uh, Yoo Bong both as uh, young and old, or uh, as a younger man, Kim Gon. very impressive, very natural, very charismatic, able to embody the uh, old frail man without any extensive prosthetic job where it's just plastic covering over a very handsome mid-thirties-something actor, I suppose. But uh, I was impressed in particular early scenes of uh, his silence, essentially. A scene or two before he gets drunk with his old uh, performance friends? Uh, like, he, uh, uh, like, like a performance troupe or stage play comes to town and uh, it's his former friends. And their night out together kind of turns sour. But there's a scene or two before this where he tries to avoid being seen by his now famous friend, you know, famous stage actor friend. And uh, he plays with silence quite quite well. And this downtrodden look to him, a dignified look even, uh, is uh, something I admire. Uh, you know, he's one of those represents someone who doesn't even desire, it seems like, moving up in the world. He's uh, devoted to the art and he's almost happy doing that and almost happy giving away money because at least we're devoted to the art. Despite, like on the brink of starvation, it's. Uh, but, but as I said, he might not be as wrong as that sounds uh, in my in my opinion. But uh, it's uh, him and the, him, him and his calligraphy friend will experience this uh, quite hard, along with the daughter as well. But uh, for my for my money's worth like you you know this of contact, But I gotta say, few filmmakers gr- gradually reveals his or her story structure this well. Like it's not dropped. Too early, it's dropped throughout the two hours, quite calmly, quite... Uh, what's the word? Like, like, it just feels natural the way it develops. It's not too fast, it's not too unclear. And the style is, like, absent. Like, the, there's no need for any fast cutting or fancy camera moves. Uh, you know, as I joked about in the General Sun episode, you know, in Quantec it's not this guy who starts with his camera in space and then it ends up in the hand ...of a character just because it's a cool shot. in you know. So I, the, some might find that boring, but in the hands of a good storyteller... ...it's definitely not boring, it's definitely not slow either. It's a fairly well-paced movie that, you know, if you're on board early... ...I think you're going to be on board throughout the movie and seeing... ...well, it depends on how receptive you are, I guess, Paul, to a very dark story. You know, and if any story is good, then I suppose anyone can be receptive to dark and light. But in this case, it's not depressing for the sake of and it's not super melodramatic where it becomes annoyingly dark or anything. I think he, he he's too skilled to make it this weeping drama times hundred, you know.
0: I mean, in terms of that and I guess his directorial style as well, I actually thank the pansuri really because the the story builds in the way a pansori would. They take their time. Some pansori's are five hours long. You know, really? they're in, they're wow. in, you know they're huge.
1: Um, I mean, and, I mean, are we talking know, singing just, or is there like dialogue too? or it's just performance for five hours straight? Like
0: essentially just performance. You know, all the and that sort of brings me. I'm jumping about a bit, but that sort of brings me to the other thing. You you actually asked when we were talking on scout you know on messaging and whatever about the fact that the film's called subyeonje when there's no everybody assumes that the picture on the cover of the young girl that's her name and of course it's not
1: i didn't assume anything i just like looked for it i don't think it was mentioned in the movie at all like what's it, what's that about
0: exactly and i mean subyeonje for what it is is the reason the film is the way it is the way it leads slowly essentially subyeonje is one of three types of pansori there's There's one called Dong Yongje, which, if you think back to when the the father Ubong was in the marketplace and there was all the chanting and audience interaction, and they were laughing and joking, that's dong Jope that's That's the one that sort of tells a story. It just does what it does. It's got funny bits, it's got shocking bits, Sop is emotion. Sopjange is pain. Sopjange since has become female, whereas the other one is much more male, which is why she sings in the style of Sopion J. And the the subtitles. I'm gonna. I, I don't want to get overly pretentious. I did say I was gonna have to cut this short when we were talking, but the subtitles often say when he's talking to his daughter. You've got to feel the pain. You've got to feel the pain in Pansuri. That's not what it actually says. It talks about a thing called Han, which is a Korean concept that's hugely complex. But it essentially says that every Korean is born with the grief of past generations. They live with it. They don't. As the West, you feel sorry for something. You feel grief. You get over it. You move on. That's not the Korean way Han says you embrace your grief. You live with your grief. Your grief dies until you die, and then it moves on to the next generations. So Sopyeon Jae is essentially the emotional side, the pain side. All the pansories that she sings are about people going blind. That's Shim Chung Ga that I was talking about earlier is about a girl who looks after her blind father, sells herself for sex, so that she'll be sacrificed to a god, so her father's sight will be saved, and she sings that when she's lost her sight. It's incredibly dark when you look at it in that sense, but that's essentially what Sepyondje is. It's a story that's five hours long that builds ever so slowly, and that's why the narrative builds slowly, and that's why it gets more and more painful. Because that's the style of Pansori.
1: To be a little bit light, people, uh, this movie is actually not over two hours. It's about uh, one hour fifty. So, so just because Paul said five hours, five hours? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. The movie is not even two hours long. <laughs> 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 you know, so in context, is not uh, is it, it dingo nuts uh, over Pansori, but. You know, I got a question for you. It, within like the story, the pain that the father pushes onto her and into the art subsequently, do you think he's at all rational the way he transfers it onto the daughter and considering how they kind of end, end up? Uh, you know, I alluded to uh, uh, having a mild theory about this, but looking at you, Bong, and... How the daughter sides with the father? Do, do you think they're doing rational choices at all?
0: I think he thinks he's doing the most natural thing in the world. You know, at the at, towards the end of the film, he actually speaks to her and says, "Fesses up," I guess that he was the cause of of what happened to her. Let's face it, she would already have known. But I I don't th- I don't think he thought a second thought about it. He doesn't feel guilt at the end. He's just He's just making things all right in terms of saying, by the way. And if you look at what she does throughout the whole thing, she's the only one that stands up for her father. The son always attacks, argues. She protects her father. When he gets attacked in the street, she goes to help him. Even after what happens to her happens, she still follows him. She still focuses on him. And she never, ever blames him outwardly for anything. I think she takes the whole idea of that hand, that grief being part of her life. And her father's almost, from her point of view, gifted her with the grief that she needs to become this amazing Pansuri singer. And that's why he did it. I don't think he he thought there was anything odd about it. It was just that's what he was going to do.
1: And that, that's uh, like knowing what's behind the story a little bit, uh, the Korean core here. It's, uh, it enhances it, but again, the story is what it is. And therefore, you can make a determination based on, in the, in the case of me. Like, uh, again, I, since I don't know much of Korea, I, I, so to say, only, in quotation marks, picked up on the story. I, I didn't condemn anyone. It's just that they were in their it's their life whether they feel like they're doomed from the get-go and just rolling along that path, trying to at least forward an art. Um, if it's about that, that's entirely up to you. But it's they're clearly very um, independent in their their lives are very independent. They know only their lives and their. Choices yeah. and they don't think about it too much. The son is the only one who kind of sees it from the outside and whether or not it was right for him to leave, because that happens mid movie. It's a hard question to all, to answer actually. Uh, it's without spoiling it, he certainly is not content with that choice as we find out how his life has gone afterwards. Uh, so, so, so I won't spoil too much about what actually happens, but. Uh, you know, there's a key line here that she says at one point that I forget everything when I sing, and that's kind of what they are swimming in, I suppose. This uh, this sea of pain and depression, and they they certainly know they're poor, and the living conditions getting you know increasingly, increasingly worse. But um, it's what makes it heartbreaking and tough to watch, but not unbearably so at all like um a, a wrong director could have just made this melodramatic in such an annoying fashion but in is skilled enough to make this entirely heartbreaking without it being loud loudly melodramatic and no one gets cancer either so so i guess that's a <laughs> that's a that's a plus point
0: <laughs> can i briefly burst your bubble just a little bit i agree with you totally I absolutely agree with you. Kwon-taek, we've mentioned it earlier, several years later, I think 2007, made a film called Beyond the Years, which is, I guess, a, a rough remake, a, a sequel. What it actually is, is the same film as Sopion from the Sun's perspective.
1: Oh, gotcha. Did they get him as well, the male actor? I forgot his name now.
0: They changed the male actor, they changed the father, they only kept the, the girl. But Beyond the Years is a huge melodrama. It flopped phenomenally badly at the box office. It did was awful. Nobody went to see it. And essentially what it does is, if you think towards the end of the film, I'm not going to spoil it, but there is, if you read into it again, there's an undercurrent between these two siblings who aren't, Siblings by birth, they're they're orphans. There is almost a statement that there's a love there between them, and beyond the years, actually takes it that the brother goes away, realizes he's in love with the girl, and spends his time learning the drums to try and be good enough to go and find her and rekindle a loving relationship. Being a melodrama, how successful he is. Well, I'll leave I'll leave you to. guess, But that sort of says, once again, about Sopyanje, there is another undercurrent, if you care to look for it, when the two are playing drums and singing together and crying uncontrollably. It's because they're actually in love with each other, but the grief that the Pansuri demands won't let them be together. There you go. How pre- pretentious was that?
1: no ah, not not at all pretentious. You know, when I think of pretentious, I often think of Wong Kar Wai, the Hong Kong director. I'm sorry to be, <laughs> I'm sorry to be all crap on him again, but I don't like him in a, in an overall sense.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh,
1: there's a scene in Happy together where the camera shows uh, uh, Lung Chiwai, Tony Tony Lung, uh, lighting a cigarette, and then the camera kind of pans 45 degrees while he's smoking, and then he pans back, and that's kind of the shot. And, and I think someone play, they're playing soccer in the background or something like that so what mm-hmm. <laughs> so but there anyway, I love Ashes of Time so like I'm not uh, totally papooring on uh, one Wonkawa but uh, here we go uh, let's uh, leave him for now I, I can go on way too much of a long rant on, on him in terms of Sopionge like it, it's like I, I mentioned that it gradually increases like engagement and that's exactly true like little by little you get into the family drama as it increases the pulse and the tragedy of it all. You're sinking into it little by little, which I think is an effective feel to have a movie that you're not like, Masterpiece, five minutes in, woo! But rather like, oh yeah, oh, yep, good, good, like the choices are still sound and oh boy, it's... That is heartbreaking and it's still good, still good, two hours later, I'm very satisfied. One of the highlights is actually in terms of like, wow, I admire filmmaking so much right now. There's a... Reveal when you find out uh, someone is, is sick that reveal doesn't happen in a big old like Musical sting or a cut to She's sick But rather you see her in a bed being sick and that is an effective quiet reveal That isn't too understated or too overstated and I You know, it certainly comes from in Quantec that he has the confidence enough to to make that hit us and it does, like, oh, oh my god, this has taken her to these places. Again, this is not the end of the movie. And I, I, just, I admire that so much. that uh, I think I was the most emotionally hit by that scene, to be very honest. There's a later scene, as you alluded to, with her singing and screaming her eyes out and just collapsing. But I think that's, like, the realization that she's becoming ill. I think that was my favorite dramatic beat, to be honest. Uh, and it's not a beat that has the... Uh, strings of a soundtrack going in overdrive to make us feel something like there's very little score here except for the pans uh, like the pansori singing and the drumming is of-, of course here throughout the movie but otherwise there's like just a two or three like instances of uh, queued up scores uh, very quite flute score and that's pretty much it I think if you buy the soundtrack album it's like a one or two tracks of flute and the rest is pansori essentially if they ever did a soundtrack album
0: I don't actually think they did but you're right it's exactly what it would be, two or three tracks, and the rest would be the Pansuri tracks.
1: And So so yeah, the summary of it all is that the rhythm is there, the rhythm is not off, the storytelling rhythm is, like, it's something you don't need to devote yourself to in terms of, like, thinking of, of it. Just watch it, and have a fear. I think you're going to agree, viewers, if you do take a chance on it, that the rhythm is there. And it's just a matter of if you're receptive to a lot of this despair, and certainly the... The acquired taste, I suppose, of uh, pansori, but uh, it's uh, it's it's even oddly beautiful. The the lengths and the depths this duo of uh, father and daughter are willing to go as these despair enter like new heights of emotions and the living conditions just go total despair, living out in like cold environments. And uh, but the audiences clearly responded to the story, even though as we said, government involvement to a degree. But it's still amazing, man, that uh, this was a box office goal to me. And uh, it sounds like a big melodrama, but it's a simmering melodrama. It's the wise choice. And uh, even if you have t- tons more notes, I think I'm going to leave my notes at that. As uh, I mean, I recommend it. And I was very, very approachable as like new Korean cinema fans can choose this as an entryway into Korean cinema in general. But certainly it's a good place to start if you want to watch in Quantec at uh, a height, one of many heights, uh, po- possibly throughout his 100-plus movie career. But yeah, if you have uh, any other notes, many or not, then the floor is yours, your Paul, to jump all over the place, if you want to. I can
0: sum up by just saying a couple of things, which we do at the end of a review anyway. Essentially, if you sit and watch Sopion J, enjoy the fact that you are slowly drawn into a very touching story. And you're drawn in as much by the story as, by the way, M. contact moves from very open framing through the film to gradually being full-face, full-frame. That drags you in as much as the story does. And I agree, I, the, the scene where Songwa is ill is very touching. For me, it was that scene where she's singing with her brother and the camera is on her face in a single tear, falls down her cheek as she sings. Not a word said, but to me that speaks volumes. If you haven't heard Pansori before, it may take you a few moments to get used to it, but bear with it. By the end, you'll certainly appreciate it. And if after watching Jay you want a little bit more, a little bit of a different take, go and watch Chung Yang, because it's a Pansori, except the Pansori is actually the narrative, so it's a it's more of a classic Pansori story rather than Pansori songs within a film.
1: Is it um, less approachable? Is it a bit more challenging to watch, therefore, chun Young?
0: It's different. It's 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 as accessible once you're used to the Pansori. But there's so much Pansori, by the end of it, you almost feel you're in a trance. You know the way you listen, you listen to really ambient new wave music, I guess, and it will almost take you to a different place just because of its ebb and flow. That's what Chung Yang does. Um, it gives you a much better feeling of what a complete pansuri piece would be. And again, it's about two hours long. Whereas Supyuanjie whereas really is, rightly so, what rekindled pansuri. It got people back into being interested in it because it gives you snippets, it gives you bits of Pansuri that then people wanted to follow up on.
1: Do you think it kind of became, in a way, without it being disgusting, uh, do you think it became commercial? Therefore, Like it be- like its exposure got into more media than just this film? Um, I mean, I know you haven't looked into it extensively, but what's the like general feeling you got, if you have any?
0: It certainly did for a period of time. It became the novelty thing again. From then over, over the last few years, it's sort of, it's got to the level where it should be. It's traditional music, just the way that we'd have classical music rather than, oh, look at this pansuri, That's so old. Let's, let's go and see it because it's a novelty. It's more, this is part of our culture and people will, will seek it out just because they have an interest as people back in the day would have done.
1: So let's put a cap on it. Uh, As for availability, there were a couple of DVD releases out prior, including one from Korea, but they are now out of print. Uh, One of them was uh, courtesy of the Korean Film Archive, who has restored this movie as much as it needed to be restored. But thankfully, the Korean Film Archive official YouTube channel offers up the movie for free viewing, and that includes English subtitles. So you can watch it for free. The only thing I'm sad and this is like a first world problem. I They're doing this consciously, I think, but it's, uh, it's sad that you can't watch it on either mobile devices or in the PlayStation Free YouTube app. Uh, really? I would have loved it. No, I think they're encoded it just to make sure that they're afraid that people are going to rip it and like uh, save it on their hard drives. So, so I think that if you encode it a certain way, that will include, in the case of the PlayStation Free YouTube app app, that it's a format that the app does not support and uh i I tried it as late as when i did watch this a couple of days ago but it's obviously fine to watch it uh on your computer and all of that but just uh, a little bit of uh, like man, that would have been cool to like just have it in the app because i i I like the fact that youtube is available on 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 my playstation but uh, hey there's your first world problem for you um so there we are uh, next time we uh, because we only did one movie in this episode we are trying to uh, divide them up if to make these episodes a bit more shorter and uh, brief despite this being about korean cinema we're not gonna try and not uh, make like the moss style l- uh, episode in length you know two and a half hours uh, I'm, I'm i'm a fan of brevity nowadays and so that's why we're uh Uh, dividing them up but next time but we will record it uh, shortly after this is done we take a long hard look at legendary korean director associated with quote psychosexual and melodramatic horror films that's a new angle for you and i oh yeah and uh, his name is uh, kim ki-young and aside from a hefty biography on the man we'll be reviewing his 1960 classic the housemaid next episode and as I said, planning is to have this episode appear the week after the one you just heard. So there we are. Psychosexual. That's like, oh yeah, I don't know what it means, but I like the word psycho and sexual. Like, together at last.
0: I'm just glad I'm finally being able to get a chance to talk about sex in Korean cinema. I've been trying to for years.
1: Yeah, you're always like mild about it. Like, I like women in Korean cinema. Like, I like sex in Korean cinema. <laughs>
0: But we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that when we when we get to
1: Men it. Men stuff. Sex. <laughs> 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 so there we are. Kim <laughs> Ki-young, anyway, that, that's a new introduction for me. So that, that's going to be fun to share with you all. But in the meantime, this is, or rather this was, What's Korean Cinema on com. We are available on that very site, along with bonus episodes and other shows on Hong Kong cinema, Japanese cinema, and even sleazy cinema. Not so much Korean sleazy cinema, but rather Hong Kong sleazy cinema. Email us if you have any feedback or um, questions for us. Uh, Podcast on fire at googlemail.com. Join us over on Facebook. Like our page, facebook.com forward slash PUF network. The discussion group is called Podcast on Fire Network that can be reached by searching for it that way. Our Twitter handle is at Podcast on Fire. I write about uh, Hong Kong movies, Taiwanese movies, ninja movies, and various other genres at SoGoodReviews.com and I uh, video review at SleezyKVideo.com. And my Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews. And What's Korean Cinema is available on iTunes if you want to have it delivered promptly to you. Subscribe, leave a star rating about uh, what you thought of the show, or a Sentence or two uh, about uh, what you thought on, uh, of the show. Like you have, if you have five minutes left over uh, and you have an impression or two about the show, that's enough. Share it with us, we would love to hear from you. And finally, stream us on Stitcher Radio. If you don't like downloading podcasts to your device, we can, uh, you can rather stream them, stream us. For heaven's sake, I'm tired already. You can stream us via their website or through their application available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. And your plugs again, Paul, for reference sake.
0: I'm Hangul Celluloid. You can find me at hanglecelluloid.com. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash hanglecelluloid. I'm on Twitter at, at Hanglecelluloid. And uh, if you want to see my attempts at reviewing non-Korean stuff, you can find me in Neil Magazine from next month.
1: What's like a non... Like, like, like just give one example of a, like a non-Korean thing that you've... Uh been reviewed forced or not (laughs) they
0: they first of all they gave me a japanese thing which i was quite happy with that's cool to then find out that it wasn't being released after all so we couldn't do that so i've uh, my my first review for neo is a thai film which wasn't really that good a thai film from my point of view but i tried to be as balanced as possible put it that way
1: it's not a korean film one star here you go mr editor okay paul we gotta have a talk now
0: (laughs) The thought crossed my mind, but no. The funny thing is, I don't know if it's the same with you, depending on what you watch most of, but because I watch essentially Western stuff when I'm just bored and chilling out and Korean stuff when I'm looking for something interesting, they they sort of fit with me. When I watched this Thai film, it felt foreign language, which Korean stuff doesn't. It's really weird. I'm still trying to get my head around it. But yeah, it just, it was like reviewing a foreign film, which Korean films just aren't for me.
1: It's, it's what you concern yourself with and you fall into the rhythm of, of that and anything that you don't touch upon for long amounts of time. It's going to feel a little bit foreign, just not, not just literally, but mentally too, I suppose. So, uh, but but good on you. That, that That's uh, exercising your creativity and seeing uh, how you can. Flex it outside of uh, the comfort zone of uh, 160 minutes Korean cinema. <laughs> well, totally, totally. Okay, we're done for this episode anyway. Uh, see you, see you all next week. And uh, you, me and Paul are just going to take a break, and then we'll uh, resume our recording. But uh, two weeks of uh, Korean cinema coverage in a row for you listeners. So this has been the first leg of that journey. So uh, I've been there, uh, can and uh, with me was Paul Quinn So say bye for now, buddy.
0: Take care. See ya. 황릉 아리아리랑 아니요,